Good morning, family. I think I think I think we got everything running now. Good to see you guys. I got my YouTube fam going. By the way, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at opus frere. YouTube.com slash at opus frere. Um Please subscribe and also like the video, support us. We're looking to grow our YouTube channel. And so I'm excited um, about what's happening there since we just got started. We just hit 18,000 subscribers on YouTube. Oh my goodness, this is amazing, y'all. This is amazing. I am so excited about that. I'm glad you guys are all here. I'm glad we've been given the privilege to come together. I got folks from all over. I'm. If you notice, if you see my head swiveling and all different kinds of directions. You're like, where is he looking at? I'm looking everywhere because I got my Discord family here who are, I mean, they're just lit. So I'm excited to have them here. I've got my YouTube family here. I've got Facebook, Twitch. I literally, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have like this. You should see my desk. My desk looks like a cockpit. Okay, it just looks like a cockpit, y'all. Um, I got my IG fam on. I've got my TikTok fam. We almost didn't have y'all today, TikTok. I know you guys are here with me every morning, but we almost didn't have y'all today because it, I don't know TikTok wouldn't wouldn't fire up. It's funny because usually when it acts weird like that, that's when I get banned again. So I'm um, just giving you a heads up real quick. If I'm if I get banned, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and join my Discord community, please. That way you'll, you'll be kept apprised of everything that we have going on. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. Um, I know I got folks jumping on right now. I got the YouTube folks jumping on quickly. Shout out where you're located right quick before we get started. Shout out where, you, where, you're, lo where you're located. I want to quickly shout you guys out before we get started. Again, I've got my Discord fam who, I mean, they are lit today. Look at them. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like, Anna. They are lit today. Doris from Detroit, good to see you. We got Sarah from Carl Junction. We got... Ooh, we got Joplin. Good to see you, Warrior Queen. We got DC in the house. Good to see you guys. My friend Amiramar uh, keeps sending me these Pray With Me videos. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, we got ooh, we got the DMV in the house. We got New York, New York City, Nugaiti. Good to see you guys. It's so good to see each and every one of you guys on IG. I've got upstate South Carolina. I got North Carolina. I got Williamsburg, Virginia. I got Sonoma, California, Brooklyn, New York. We've got Arizona. We got the UK. I can't wait to go back to the UK. I was supposed to go to the UK. What was it like? I think, oh, I was supposed to go this week, actually. Ended up not working out. I'm kind of sad about that. Um, had a meeting there, ended up not working out. But anyway, I've got New York City in the house. I got Hartford, Connecticut in the house. Good to see you guys. Charleston, South Carolina in the house. It's lit, y'all. It's lit. We got the A, Atlanta in the house. Good to see you guys. Oklahoma, good to see you. I love it, y'all. We got on TikTok. We got Albany. We got Columbia. We have Texas. We have nigeria in the house good to see you lagos we have colorado tennessee the youtube name is opus frere o-p-u-s-f-r-e-r-e -E. i'm actually thinking about changing my tiktok handle to that because it's consistent across the board on ig it's opus frere on um almost every other platform it's opus frere and so i'm thinking about changing it that way y'all don't know my government name either i can just have a rap name in ministry a ministry rap name <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm tripping today. <laughs> I just killed myself saying that. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus. Take the wheel today, Lord. Take the wheel today. <laughs> um, but it's so good to see you. Can you imagine that? Yeah, you know, my name is so-and-so. That's my government name, but my, my ministry rap name. <laughs> Oh, man. You know what? We got to light it up because let me tell you something. Some of y'all are dealing with the, uh, levels of cold that uh, folks from where I'm from were built the way that I'm built would not be able to survive. And so I'm glad you guys are all lit and you guys are warming each other up in the presence of the Lord. Let us say this. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood and I'm excited about our time together. If you are here for the first time, this is the Read and Rant. We spend time in the reading of the word. That's what we do here. We spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting because this week, I believe we're going we're gonna to finish the Old Testament. That means we would have read, for those of you who are the OGs in the game, we would have read from Genesis all the way to Malachi. Um, and so anyway, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that we are here and that we're doing this and we're all doing it together. And you guys can say that I've read through the entire Old Testament. Some of you are the OG OGs. You guys have been here from the beginning when we were reading from the Gospels in the New Testament. So you guys read through the entire New Testament and now you've read with us through the entire Old Testament. So I'm glad you guys have journeyed with us. And I know for many of you, this has been a life-changing endeavor. And so I'm just excited. I'm excited about spending this time with you guys today as we spend it in the reading of the word. When we read the word, we ask three questions because what this is, is not a Bible study. Tomorrow we will have Bible study. We'll continue our study on the book of Ephesians. But today, this is a Bible reading. This is a reflection. I'm not afforded the time to <clears throat> really unpack this. If you guys know how I deal with Bible study, I love digging in and I can take weeks and weeks on just five verses. Um, <laughs> as you guys know, when we do our Bible studies, but here we're just reading through the larger swath of text and to posture ourselves to hear from God as we read his word. And the three things that we ask, and this is just a way to prayerfully posture yourself when you're reading the word is you're asking first, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question that you're going to ask. The second question that you're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that you're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So let's dig in today, fam. Let's read his word and let's be blessed by this moment and this opportunity. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together in the reading of your word. Father, I pray, Lord, as we read this, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. Um, speak to each and every one of us individually as we together in simultaneity read this word from all around the world, from different places and different time zones. And yet we are here together to read the word. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time that be blessed for each person. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that encourages us, that builds us, that empowers us, and that inspires us, Lord, to be who you've called us to be. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the book of Zephaniah. 
chapter one. The word of the Lord, which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. What a start. I will consume man and beast. I'll consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks, along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place. The names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests. Those who worship the hosts of heaven on the housetops. Those who worship and swear the oaths by the Lord but also those who swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such who are as are clothed of foreign apparel. In the same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, a sound of mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktesh. For all the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Therefore, their good shall become booty and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses and not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and it hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I'll bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Goodness gracious. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Chapter 2. Gather yourselves together, yes, gather together an undesirable nation before the decree is issued or the day passes like chafe before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Eshkelon desolate. 
They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the sea coast, the nation of Cherisites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, land of the Philistines, I will destroy you, so there shall be no inhabitant. The sea coast shall be pastures, with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. The coast shall be a remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. In the houses of Eshkelon, they shall die down at evening. For the Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon, with which they have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom and the people of Ammon like Gomorrah overrun with weeds and salt pits and perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall plunder them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. But this they shall have for their pride, because they have reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome to them. He will reduce to nothing, all the gods of the earth, people who shall worship him. Each one from his place, indeed, all the shores of the nations. You Ethiopians also, you shall be slain by the sword. And he will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation, as dry as the wilderness. The herd shall, shall lie down in her midst, every beast of the nation, both pelican and the bittern shall lodge on the capitals of her pillars. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be at the threshold, for he will lay bare the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt securely, that said in her heart, I am it, and there's none besides me. How has she become a desolation? a place for beasts to lie down. Everyone who passes by her shall hiss and shake his fist. Chapter three. Woe to her who is rebellious and polluted, to the oppressing city. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. Her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their fortresses are devastated. They have their streets desolate with none passing by. Their cities are destroyed. There is no one, no inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me for you will receive instruction so that her dwelling would not be cut off despite everything for which I punished her. But they rose up early and corrupted all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, 
Until the day I rise up for plunder, my determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger, all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy, for then I will restore the peoples a pure language, and they may call on the name of the Lord to him with one accord. Hmm. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughters of my dispersed ones shall bring my offering. In that day, you shall not be ashamed. You shall not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgressed against me. For then I will take away from the midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O, o daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see a disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame. In every land where they were put to shame, at the time I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise. Among all the peoples of the earth, when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of God. <clears throat> um, now that we're at this phase in the Bible, We've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those three books are what we call the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law. But if you've read it with me, you know that it's more than just a law. It's a history. It's the history of a people, the Hebrews, the children of Israel. And at the end of that book, the children of Israel are waiting to cross over into um, Canaan to establish a land, a kingdom, a nation there. The nation of Israel. So the first five books is what we call the, the Pentateuch. And then after those books, we have what we call the historical books. Really, they're really the history of the children of Israel. In the next five books, we see now a story of 
what transpires when a people who've been delivered out of captivity, who've been called by God, who made a commitment with God, enter into the promise of God, into this land that was promised to them. They go into that land in the book of Joshua, we see, which follows after the Pentateuch, the book of Joshua, we see how Joshua then goes into this land, subdues the land. And there, those 12 tribes were given different regions, different pieces of that land. And now that land became this center. And what they aspired was for that land to become a center for the world. And what do I mean by a center for the world? It would be the center for which you would see humanity restored. These people who were the chosen people of God were to be the source for which flourishing would go out to the rest of the world. It was the promise that was given to Abraham that he would father many nations and that this family that he's establishing would be a blessing to the nations. This is what was promised to Abraham. But rather than being a blessing to the nations, Israel became like the nations, following not the law of God, which reveals the heart and the wisdom of God, that we saw in the Torah of following the heart of man, which was driven by not something greater than them, but them themselves. It is really the consistent sin that we see, the consistent source of sin, which is the worship of self. Sin always begins with that fam. Sin always begins with you worshiping yourself. Sin always begins with you prioritizing your will over God's. Sin always starts with, I want to rule my life in my way. I want to live my truth in my way, do my thing in my way. And everybody else who's not about that can get out of my way. And so it's really choosing yourself over God. Sin begins with making yourself God. And that's really the source of it all. That's what happened from the beginning at the garden. But now we find that Israel has become what the other nations were, not following under a law that was, again, we can call it cutting edge, but fundamentally different than all the other laws. For the first time, there was a law that cared for the broken, the weary. For the first time, the law cared, this, there was a law that cared for those who were uh, misfortuned, those who were disenfranchised. For the first time, there was actually a law that cared for those who could not speak and those who could not defend themselves, which exposes the heart of God, which reveals that God cares for each and every human being. Notice that at the root of God's law is the imago dei, the imago dei meaning the image of God, that we have all been made in the image of God. I'm sorry if I, if I, if I, go through all this work here before I get to my point here in Zephaniah, but you're going to see here why all this matters. <clears throat> because at the root of it, we've been called to be reflections of God on this earth. God carries his presence and God extends, sorry, God extends his presence through each and every one of us. We carry the presence of God. 
everywhere we go. How do we know that? When God wanted to fill the earth and subdue it, notice what he did. He breathed his spirit into man, breathed himself into humanity to extend his heart, his will, his power, and by consequences, authority through the earth. This is why he wanted them to be fruitful and to multiply. This is why he wanted to fill the earth and subdue it, because the destiny of the earth rests on humanity. It's a great calling that we have, but contemporaneously, it's a great responsibility that we have. And so now as we're reading this, we're beginning to see that Israel, they were called to usher in this establishing of God's kingdom. They were called to do this. Why does any of this matter? Because we see what happens in consequence to that. We saw what happened in the book of Judges. Israel did not live under the law of God, the wisdom of God, the spirit of God. They were driven by the spirit of the time. They were driven by the culture. They were driven by the people in that time. And consequently, we saw what happened. Israel fell into a moral decline. <laughs> it's crazy to me when I think about it because <clears throat> these people who had the promise of God, they were given the promise of God but then they fell and veered away from God once they received this land that was promised to them. I think it speaks a lot into how we are as people. Is that notice that Israel before the land was ready to make covenant with God. But after the establishment of the land, they were ready to covenant with people. Everybody else. They were ready to compromise what they promise because now they're in comfort. Comfort causes us to compromise. And chasing comfort causes us to compromise. We don't like going against the grain. We don't, we don't like the tension. And we choose by the nature of who we are. We're always going to choose the path of least resistance. That's what's in us, the path of least resistance. This is what we naturally choose to do. This is what Israel continually chose to do. <clears throat> it was easy to make a promise to God when you're going through it. Right? It's easy to make covenant with God when you're going through it. <laughs> it's easy to do that. <laughs> And of course, once Israel had the land, Israel couldn't hold on to it because the promise of God is what got them there. It was their covenant with God, which is what got them there. Here's a word. If God got you there, then hold on to him when we get there. If you are where you are because of the goodness, the grace of God, then pray that you hold on to that grace when you get there. Because the very grace that got you there is the grace that's going to keep you there. Don't ever get overconfident and cocky and believe somehow that you're the one that got you to where you are. You need his grace every day. Mm. What the enemy wants you to do is forget how you got there. Because once you get comfortable when you get there, 
then you're going to realize that the very thing that sustained you now has been pulled away from you. That's when things begin to crumble around you. It is so critically important. And Israel teaches us how important it is. As we're learning the history of Israel, Israel is teaching us how important it is to remain in consistent and continual, persistent connection with God. Not for the sake of just the blessings of God, but for the sake of flourishing, for the sake of purpose, for the sake of confidence, of knowing that you are very much called to where you are. It's a dependence that we have in him that I think sometimes we fall short of because sometimes we get comfortable. We get promoted and then we do our own thing. But that's another conversation for another day. We pray to God for our marriage, don't we? We pray to God to get married and to get this job and to get money and to get all these things. We pray for all those things. It's easy to pray for those things when you ain't got it. It's are you going to stay with him when you have it, when you've received it? And fam, to be quite honest with you, if you receive everything that God blesses you and lose him in the process, then you've lost everything. Can I say that one more time? If you have prayed to God, asking him to bless you with a marriage, bless you with a job, bless you in your finances, if you in your time of depravity in a basement have asked God and said, God, I need you right now. Please bless me. If God blesses you and you lose God in the blessing, then fam, you gained nothing. You lost everything. What profiteth a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his own soul? And the reality is, is that for some of us, the greatest blessing is that God didn't bless us with what we asked him for. Because if we got what God asked us for, we would lose him in the process because we'd be self-sufficient, self-confident, not needing him anymore for anything. And in the end, losing everything. But don't lose God in it and prioritize God in all of it. This is so important because we're learning this lesson through Israel's life and story. They have the greatest gift ever. They've got the promise of God. They got the greatest gift ever. They have the blessing of God. They've got the greatest gift ever. They've got God on their side. But of course, they got comfortable. And in getting comfortable, they lost everything. Israel lost everything in their comfort. And so when we read from 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, all the way to Nehemiah, what we're reading is an Israel who could not hold on to the promise of God because they would rather compromise the promise of God for whatever was going on in the culture, in the moment around them. They would rather serve their God the other gods than to serve God. They would rather serve the idols than to serve God. When we get to Zephaniah, and I want you to pay very close attention because what you've noticed is as we've been reading through these minor prophets, as you, if you've been with us through the reading rant, you know we've read all this already. As you've been reading through the minor prophets, what you should have noticed here, right, is is that these guys are all giving 
their perspectives living in the eras that we saw in <clears throat> um in uh for first samuel to uh, sorry for yeah from well from first kings from first kings all the way to nehemiah they've all lived in those eras and they all had something to say in those eras zephaniah is speaking into a particular era zephaniah is speaking into israel is about to lose it all remember israel is broken up into two again because of david's sin you had judah in the south israel in the north israel in the north has been overtaken samaria has fallen and now and samaria has fallen to the assyrians and now Samaria, uh, not only has Samaria fallen, but now Judah is at risk. Judah has faced, is facing attack from all the different sides. Judah is facing attack from Ethiopia, which at the time, in, in, these, in these biblical times, was one of the most powerful empires in the world. Ethiopia is a powerful empire, has overtaken uh, uh, portions of North Africa, West Asia, and now they're looking into Israel. So Israel now is facing attack in the south, is facing the threat of Ethiopia coming to overtake them in the south. And then they're facing also the threat of Assyria taking them from the north. And then you've got Babylon, who is now looking to take over from Assyria. We read this from, uh, what was it, in, in Obadiah. And we read it in Amos and we read it in Hosea. So you guys have seen some of this already. But now we are here and Zephaniah is seeing this. And Zephaniah was hopeful. Zephaniah was hopeful if we would just enter into Zephaniah's experience. Zephaniah is hopeful that, that Judah in the south would turn to God after seeing what transpired in Israel. See, we, we see what's happening to Israel in the north. If only Judah would turn its ways, Zephaniah was hopeful. Zephaniah was hopeful simply because there was a leader who talked the talk. Notice at the beginning of the text, we see that it says, in the days of Josiah. If anybody remembers, we read about Josiah. Um, we read about Josiah close to the end of, um, of Second Kings. When you're reading close to the end of Second Kings, actually, you, you'll read about Josiah in Second Kings. 22, um, 2 Kings 22 to 23, but you'll also read about him in 2 Chronicles as well in the mid 30s. So I'm sorry, y'all, I'm doing this off of memory. Y'all know this is a rant. I don't have anything prepared. So please forgive me if I don't have exact references here. Okay. Um, I'm doing this off the dome. So please help me out, fam. Um, but I believe it's in, uh, it's in 2 it's in second, uh, Chronicles somewhere in the mid 30s. So you can go and read that. But you'll read the story of, of King Josiah. And what you're going to know about King Josiah is King Josiah, I mean, he was bold. He was passionate. He was passionate about bringing Israel back. He was passionate about restoring Israel and to, and to remove, to, 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 to establish a moratorium on the worship of idols and to bring Israel back to the worship of Yahweh. This was Josiah's 
mandate. Josiah came with passion and boldness. And so Zephaniah, of course, is hopeful of this because he's saying, finally, one will bring restoration. Thank you, Asia, for 2 Chronicles 34. Thank you. I love my uh, my folks on Discord because they're they're quick to check and make sure. <laughs> I love that. All right. I love that. Thank you. Um, close enough. <laughs> Mid-30s. Close enough. I got you there. Okay. Now, if you know anything about Josiah, Josiah, if you were waiting for God to bring Israel back, it would look like the promise of Josiah. It would look like the commitment of Josiah to remove all the idols in the land and to bring Israel back to the worship of Yahweh. Josiah dies, which is another word for another day. Is that as much as you see people talk the talk, and even when they desired it, even when they were, um, um, even when they expressed integrity, exhibited integrity, and 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 desire, you have to understand that even human beings are limited. Josiah came bold to topple the idols, but Josiah on his own was not enough to remove the idolatry in Israel's heart. This is why, and again, if you're, if you're reading through the Old Testament, and I'm taking my time here because you, you've seen this already, this pattern, you've seen it in almost every one of these prophetic, any one of these books that, that have been written by the prophets. It begins with the judgment of God and it ends with the hope of God. It begins with the justice of God and it ends with the love of God. We see this pattern all throughout, but what is actually happening here? I don't want you to miss the big picture here. Is that idolatry is never external. Idolatry is always internal. Idolatry is never what you're being influenced on the outside. Idolatry begins with what you have been corrupted by on the inside. We have created a religion from the Bible that is not reflective of Christ. And I'm explaining what I mean by that. We have created a behavior modification program. You want to know why you see Christianity losing steam in the United States? It's losing steam because it's become a religion of behavior modification. Create structures, boundaries, doctrines, ideas, systems around people that will influence how people think, behave, and by consequence live. What we try to do is, is we try to modify people's behaviors. And so we're not driven or motivated by the gospel. What we're motivated is by getting people to think, do, act, and live like you. And that is the reason why you see people pushing back. Because religion does not change any hearts. Religion simply manipulates, pushes, 
pulls down people. And this is what Zephaniah is exposing. Is Josiah, you, you had the right idea. But Josiah, you're not enough. Josiah, you have the right, you, your heart is in the right place. But your pride makes you think that if you just take away the idols, that Israel is going to change their mind. Josiah, you think that if you just tell people to stop sleeping around, then they'll stop doing it. Josiah, you think if you just tell people to stop being nasty, evil people, that they're just going to stop. Josiah, you think that if you tell them the Bible says so, then people will just stop. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's why I always found it to be a waste of time. Like you go, well, what does the Bible allow me to do and not to do? Who cares? Can I say that again? I always find it comical when people ask, what does the Bible say I can and can't do? Why does that matter? Like, why, why does it matter if the Bible permits it or doesn't permit it? Why does it matter? Because whether the Bible permits it or it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't actually change a heart. God does not care about how compliant you are to the law. God wants your heart to be transformed and to be changed. And who cares what the Bible says? Because in the end, we all fall short of the glory of God. In the end, on our own, we can't even do what the Bible says. You don't need more information about what's permitted or not permitted. What you need is your heart to be transformed and to be changed. This is why religion doesn't save a single person. Religion just modifies behavior. But we're so busy trying to comply or believing that we are systematic people. It's a moralistic determinism. It's a thinking we are what we do. So if we change the environment, that simply a change in environment is going to transform a person. Josiah had the right idea. If that was true. But it isn't. Josiah's heart was in the right place. Not that he had the right idea. His heart was in the right place. He said, if I just take out the idols, then Israel will come back to God. You know, if I just create boundaries, then that'll just be enough. Boundaries are not to say boundaries aren't good. Not to say the idols shouldn't have been removed, but that's not the end all. No man or man-made religion can save a person. Let me say that one more time because I want to make sure y'all hear me very, very clearly and carefully. No human being and no religion that he creates will save a soul. 
Not a single one of them. Not a single one. And yet this is what we do. We still fall into religious thinking. You know, the most common question I get, the most common question I get in my DMs, when people send me questions, it's what does the Bible say about this? Or does the Bible say I'm allowed to do this or that? Does the Bible permit me to do this? Why does any of that matter? When God didn't want your compliance, he wanted your heart. He wants your heart transformed. And whether or not it's permitted, guess what? (laughs) It doesn't change the fact that we have a propensity to do it. We break rules all the time, fam. All the time we break rules. And the reason why we break rules is because sin is in our heart. And you can comply all day, but you only comply for a period of time. Put you in the right environment and you'll still do it. Then the question is, where is your heart ever transformed? Was your heart ever transformed? I'm sorry. Y'all going to see where I'm at now because I'm, I'm almost, man, I know we started late today, so forgive me y'all, but I want to make sure I get there because I know for a lot of you, 830 is your hard cut. I know you guys, 830 is your hard cut. So I want to make sure I get it all in. <clears throat> Family. Zephaniah saw Josiah pull down idols. Israel still worshiped the idols that were pulled down. Took out the idols in the temple. Destroyed the idols, and yet there were still idols in homes. Go back, read it. You'll go back and you'll read it. You'll see it's all there. Pulled down all the idols, and now Zephaniah sees, wait, first of all, Israel isn't changing. And not only is Israel not changing, but Josiah has this pride in him that makes him think that he just digs down hard enough, Israel will change. And this zealousness that he had, of course, turned into pride because again, even, even, um, even Josiah's got some things to work on in the end, Josiah died. So the only hope that he had didn't do much. And the hope that he had in Josiah now has completely fallen apart. I mean, he's in shambles now because Josiah is dead. Josiah is dead. And he knows now the death of Josiah is that that, that's the last hope he had. Assyria is coming. They already came and took over the north in Samaria. Now they're coming down here. And what Zephaniah is warning the children of Israel in chapter one, is he's telling Jerusalem, they're coming, y'all. There's an army coming and they're about to overtake us. We're about to lose everything. Your idols now won't be able to help you. The idols of the neighboring nations won't be able to help you either, because in chapter two, he says, Assyria is coming to take them as well. So the gods that they worship, the idols that they worship, the things that brought them vibrancy and the things that they said would bring them prosperity and protection ain't going to do nothing for them. 
so the gods that they have been worshiping can't protect them and they're the same gods that you've been worshiping so they won't protect you And this judgment is coming upon you. We talked about this, that God is using Assyria and he's using Babylon to execute his judgment. They're coming. Jerusalem will go down. Ethiopia will go down. The Philistines will go down. What were the other nations around? We had, they will all go down. Because this army in the north is coming to wipe everybody out. This is the day of the Lord. But then he says this in chapter in chapter three. Now we see a shift in his narrative. He says, therefore, in verse eight, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder, my determination is to gather the nations. God's saying, I'm going back to the plan from the beginning. God's plan never changes. We're the ones who do. When we see things shifting the way that they shift, it's because God is reorienting humanity. He says, my determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour out my pour out on them my indignation, my fierce anger. All the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Please understand, yes, God is jealous. His jealousy is not ours. That's another Bible study for another day because we equate God's jealousy to our jealousy. Not even close. That's another conversation for another day. God is establishing his kingdom. And God is saying that even when you see that the world is falling apart, understand that the, that, the, that the mechanism and the machine behind it is the grace of God making all things right. For then I will destroy, sorry, I will restore to the peoples a pure language. God is saying, I'm going to take all these people who are scattered about And I'm going to join all these kingdoms and these kingdoms will be my assembly. They're going to come together. It's going to be as I planned it. And I will restore pure language. And these people will call on the name of the Lord. They will go beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. And all who have been dispersed will gather once more and become one. And these people who are the kingdom of God, they will be not a haughty and prideful people, but a meek, in verse 12, and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. This is the remnant that he's talking about. The remnant of Israel shall do no justice and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down. Even when we see the judgment and the justice of God, we see that it is all the work of God eradicating human evil. 
the world is screwed up because of humanity. <laughs> the world is screwed up because humans are being humans. And what God is saying here is he's saying, I'm going to restore the world, but I need to restore humanity. I need to remove every evil influence over humanity, every evil desire that humans have that looks for their power, their influence, that looks for their, their own position, that looks for themselves, out for themselves. But no, no, I'm restoring humanity to be a humble and meek people. Because it is through then that I can move and manifest my power. These people don't need a law. These people need a change of heart. And the only way that's going to happen is when God does the work in them. But for God to do the work, they must repent. For them to repent, the Spirit of God must come upon them. God is giving a promise to Israel revealing that the law has never been enough for Israel. The law was never enough for Israel. The law didn't do a single thing. And not that the law wasn't good. The law means nothing without the heart. And so as you read this and you get to the end, notice that Zephaniah is aspiring to something greater. He said, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. I want you to read this and I want you to, because we're, we're about to walk into Jesus now. Notice where Israel's heart is. Notice what Israel asp Israel's aspiration is. Israel is waiting for this. By the time you get to Matthew, I hope now you can see what Israel has been waiting for. Israel's been waiting for this. Israel's like, it, Israel sees, they, they've been through this. So by the time we get to Matthew, what we're reading here has happened maybe three, almost four centuries. Now, we'll pass. After all this stuff has happened, and then it gets quiet, Israel is waiting for this. They're waiting for a, 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 a ruler that's better than Josiah, who won't just remove the idols from the temple, but to remove the idols from the heart. Israel is waiting for the establishment of the kingdom of God, the judgment, the justice of God that will bring restoration. This is the cleansing that Israel sees and Israel has experienced it. All the stuff we read here has already happened <clears throat> by the time we get to Matthew. And so now they read it, but they don't have, they're not hopeless because the prophet leads them with the word of hope. Single daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice in your heart. Why? After all of that, why? Because the Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. He shall see disaster no more. This is the prophetic word that Israel has been waiting for. They're waiting for this King. This King that will come 
and restore them. This king that will be in their midst. The mighty one in verse 17 that will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And it's because of this king of Israel, not King Josiah, because King Josiah is not enough, but the king of Israel, this king of Israel, which you haven't seen yet, but he's coming. This king of Israel is establishing a kingdom of meek and humble people. This king of Israel is going to bring all in the world together to be one. This king of Israel is going to bring all nations together. This king of Israel is going to fulfill the promise of Israel. This king of Israel is going to do it and he will gather all those who sorrow. He will save the lame. He will deal with all who've afflicted you. This is what Israel is waiting for. This is the king that they've been waiting for. The privilege that we have is we don't have to wait for that king. We don't have to wait for the Israel, for the king of Israel who will bring justice, who will satisfy the judgment of God. We don't need to wait for that king. We already have that king. We already have the king of Israel. That's right, Yeshua. Jesus is the king that doesn't just remove idols from temples. Jesus is the king that removes idols from hearts. Jesus is the king that doesn't just establish new systems and structures. Jesus is the king that transforms minds. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the one that they were waiting for, we have that. The comfort that we can have today is what Zephaniah was waiting for. We already have in Jesus. We have the justice of God that brings about the love of God. All in Jesus. We have what will remove all the evil in our hearts and move us and motivate us to the goodness of God. We have that, y'all. Every one of us, we have that. The question is, is will he be the king of your heart? That's it. Like, will you allow him to be the king of your heart? Will you operate in meekness and humility? Will you live in submission to him? I hope you see here, as we've been reading, that Israel is just waiting for a savior because not a single one of those kings could save. Israel suffering judgment and punishment. This is not our judgment and punishment. This has already been suffered. Israel wants transformation. Israel's waiting for this kingdom, this Zion, this new Jerusalem that's going to be the establishment and the and the and in the center of humanity to see all of mankind restored and transformed. It's coming and it's here. It's coming. 
because all haven't believed in it yet. It's here because it's already in you. So today, live with confidence. Knowing that you have something better than Zephaniah, you have something better than Israel and Zephaniah's time, Josiah is not it. But Jesus is. If anybody's trying to push religion on you, telling you these are the things you ought to follow, you're missing the point. Jesus is the only answer. Lord, I thank you that you brought us here. Thank you for the privilege that you've given us as we read your word, Father. We're reading Zephaniah, reminded of what Zephaniah was aspiring towards. And yet we read it with comfort, conviction, confidence, because we have what Zephaniah was aspiring for. So, Father, I pray today, Lord, that we live in submission to this reality, Lord, that you have called us to a higher calling, that you have called us, Lord God, to be, Lord, your ambassadors on earth. Father, I read this today, Lord, with confidence, knowing, Lord, that, Lord, you don't want simply those who are compliant to your word, but, Lord, those who are or transformed by the word. So transform us today, Lord God. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. I got to go. We will continue the conversation on Discord. I know y'all going to still keep talking on Discord because I love it. I'm always watching on Discord, seeing everything. And and again, we can always follow up. That's why we're on Discord. That's why we have Discord. So I want to encourage you guys, join our Discord community. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. There's a whole bunch of you right now live with us. I know a lot of you got to go, so go ahead and get out of here. But we are closer to 500, y'all. So we, we almost got 500 folks in our Discord community. So it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to see how you guys have encouraged each other, prayed for each other. So guys, stay connected on Discord. Thank you for those of you who are subscribers. I see some of the little crowns on IG and I see some of the Opus tags on, on TikTok. Thank you so much for being a subscriber. And don't forget as well to subscribe on um patreon okay join our patreon community Uh, become a patron consider becoming a patron okay we're praying to get to our goal we need a hundred okay i have to calculate now where we're at how close we're we are to that but i'm believing in god that god's gonna um speak to some of you along the way so god bless you guys hey wendy good to see you but i love you guys uh one last thing text me 954-231-1848 if there's ever any updates, any like significant updates, I'll post it there. But almost all the updates now are on Discord. So definitely join our Discord community. And <clears throat> and also text me at 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. Love y'all. See you guys tomorrow. God bless you guys. Peace out.